This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. A man shot and killed at least 19 children and two adults at an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas, according to local officials. Greg Abbott, Texas's governor, said the suspected murderer, an 18-year-old man, was killed by police. The massacre comes on the heels of mass shootings in Buffalo, New York and Southern California. In response, President Joe Biden pleaded with the nation to stand up to the gun lobby. Why are we willing to live with this carnage? He asked. Active shooter incidents have increased by nearly 97% since 2017, according to new data from the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The governor of the eastern Ukrainian region of Luhansk warned that the Russian army is trying to completely destroy the city of Sievredonetsk. Conditions in the city are deteriorating. A statement on Tuesday by Russia's defence minister Sergei Shoigu, claiming that invaders deliberately slowed down their offensive to allow civilians to avoid the conflict, was dismissed as a lie by Ukraine's president Vladimir Zelensky. The South Korean government said that North Korea has experimented with a nuclear detonation device. It now expects the country to conduct a nuclear test, its first in nearly five years, sometime soon. Earlier on Wednesday, North Korea launched three missiles, apparently including an intercontinental ballistic missile. North Korea is banned by the UN Security Council from testing ICBMs, but has been doing so nonetheless recently. Brian Kemp, Georgia's governor, defeated an effort to unseat him in his state's Republican primary. Mr Kemp and Donald Trump's wrath were refusing to try to overturn his defeat in the presidential election of 2020. So Mr Trump backed a former senator, David Perdue, who played the loyalist. His loss may embolden non-Trumpist Republicans in November's midterm elections. The sale of Chelsea Football Club to a consortium led by Ted Bowley, the American co-owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers baseball team, was approved by the British government. The £4.25 billion, $5.32 billion takeover was agreed on the condition that the club's former owner, Roman Abramovich, a Russian oligarch the British have sanctioned, would not take the proceeds of the sale. The European Central Bank said that Russia's war in Ukraine has increased risks to the eurozone's financial stability. The bank cited higher commodity prices and sluggish growth. Its biannual report on financial risks stated that virtually all aspects of economic activity and financial conditions have been impacted by the war. Viktor Orban, Hungary's Prime Minister, declared a state of emergency in response to what he called the economic crisis created by the war in Ukraine and sanctions on Russia. The move will allow him and his government to rule by decree, bypassing Parliament. Meanwhile, Moldovan authorities investigated Igor Dodon, a former president and head of the country's pro-Russian opposition party, for corruption and treason. And fact of the day. 2. The number of working petrol stations on the 550-kilometre road from Lviv to Kiev. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. The road to COP27 starts at the G7. 
Climate change has slipped down the geopolitical agenda in recent months. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has upended the world order and threatened a global food shortage. But ahead of COP27, the United Nations' next climate conference in November, international climate diplomacy is starting up again. It will begin in earnest as a three-day meeting of the G7, which starts in Berlin on Wednesday. At COP27, to be held in Sharm el-Sheikh in Egypt, countries must work out how to put into practice the commitments made at COP26, held in Glasgow in Scotland last year. That will depend on how much financial support rich countries, which have just shelled out billions of dollars in aid to Ukraine, are prepared to stump up. Several less rich ones, notably India, Indonesia, and Vietnam, are looking for huge packages to help them decarbonize their economies. They see the G7 as the place to hash out a deal. Let the haggling begin again. The Official Verdict on Partygate A long-delayed report into Partygate, the scandal of boozy parties and ABBA sing-alongs at the heart of the British government during COVID-19 lockdowns, may be published at last on Wednesday. The police have already concluded their investigation into breaches of COVID laws, issuing 126 fines to 83 people, including the Prime Minister Boris Johnson, his wife, and the Chancellor of the Exchequer. The police report was damaging to the government. The new report by Sue Gray, a senior civil servant, could be more harmful still, not least because it will include photographs of the partygoers, glasses in hand. One such snap of Mr. Johnson, released on May 23rd, caused a storm. Known as a fearless arbiter of the code of conduct covering ministerial behavior, Miss Gray is unlikely to hold back in apportioning blame. Mr. Johnson will have to defend himself in Parliament again. It will be a rowdy affair with his very future as Prime Minister at stake. The Cause of America's Baby Formula Shortage Of all the supply problems America has faced over the past two years, this may be the most critical. More than 40% of baby formula is out of stock, putting bottle-fed babies at risk. On Wednesday, a congressional panel will grill Robert Califf, the embattled head of the Food and Drug Administration, to find out what went wrong. The proximate cause was a suspension in production at a factory owned by Abbott, which makes nearly half the country's formula. The FDA ordered the halt because of a bacterial outbreak, although a subsequent inspection failed to prove a link to the plant. But there are deeper questions about why a single closure caused so much disruption. The FDA has been restrictive in approving imports and too slow to anticipate shortages. Another explanation is excessive industrial concentration. Just four companies dominate the market. The government has flown in powder from Europe, but a longer-term solution is needed. Remembering George Floyd The murder two years ago of George Floyd, a black man, at the hands of a white police officer sparked global protests. 
a video of Mr. Floyd gasping for breath while Derek Chauvin knelt on his neck was viewed around the world. The second anniversary of his death on Wednesday will be marked by candlelight vigils in Minneapolis, where he died, and beyond. Mr. Chauvin was convicted of murder and manslaughter and in June received a sentence of 22 years and six months. Three other officers involved were also convicted of civil rights violations. Their crimes also prompted calls for institutional change. More than 30 states have since passed police reform legislation, and many cities have found alternatives to police being sent to nonviolent incidents. But the progress through Congress of George Floyd Justice in Policing Act a bill that aimed to enforce police accountability, stalled after being blocked in the Senate. Despite public support, reform at a federal level will probably go no further. Starliner's mission accomplished, at least so far. On May 20th, an uncrewed Boeing Starliner arrived at the International Space Station, on Wednesday, it is due to undock and return to Earth. If all goes well and the spacecraft survives the fiery heat of re-entry, it will touch down in New Mexico. Engineers at Boeing, an aerospace giant, and NASA, America's space agency, will be watching with crossed fingers. After the retirement of the space shuttle in 2011, Boeing, along with SpaceX, was one of two American companies contracted by NASA to provide flights to the ISS. SpaceX now makes flights regularly. But Boeing's first attempt in 2019 was a disaster. Technical problems prevented the mission from reaching the ISS and nearly doomed the spacecraft. Soon, America may have two ways of getting to the space station, and Boeing, whose reputation has taken a serious knock in recent years, will have a technical success to celebrate. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you with a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home, city, and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday. What is the capital of the German state of Lower Saxony? Tuesday. Which aircraft was the Royal Air Force's main bomber in its campaign against Germany during the Second World War? Finally, here's the quote of the day. From George Floyd who died on this day in 2020. I can't breathe. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.